You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Well, and we have a little extra pep in our step this week on the Seahawks Insider Podcast because of that week one victory. We are looking to ride that energy and that momentum into San Francisco this week. Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle. John, your smile not quite as big as mine is right now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm working But on. still enjoying that Monday night win. Now, Jen, are you saying you, let's ride that momentum? Is that what you're That's getting That's exactly what I was not planning oh, to get well, at, but it does, ride, in so fact, I'm... make a whole lot of sense. John, everything that I am reading about the Seahawks win and the 49ers loss in the week one matchups, it, it says that people are surprised by those outcomes. Yeah. Were you surprised by the Seahawks outcome? No, I wasn't. And, I mean, we're close to it, so... I, I admit that I'm probably biased and I get a little caught up in, you know, the culture here, the belief and the, you know, just the, the confidence this team had, but uh, look, I get people just want it from, from far away. You just want to look at who's gone and Oh, the quarterback's gone and this team's not any good, but you look at the way this team's been playing in training camp, the pieces they added, the stuff they're doing on defense. And, you know, you add in all the emotion of a home opener. I just, I really thought they were going to come out and perform well, and they did. And Geno Smith played, I mean, look, none of us predicted 13 for 13 to start the game, but people have actually been watching him. He's played well in training camp. He played well in the preseason, even if the numbers weren't there. So the fact that they played well and won that game doesn't surprise me one bit. Well, and two things on that. If I was trying to be objective, because I absolutely feel the same way you do, in that I'm biased. I'm biased in thinking that the Seahawks had enough information on Russell and you had an entire coaching staff game planning for that. Mm -hmm. But if I'm trying to take an objective look at it, boy, there was a lot of newness that the Broncos were facing and you had not played those starters together in the preseason. I think part of what we saw in the first half with Geno last week was a result of him playing in the preseason. You mentioned those numbers. He set career highs for completions and completion percentage for any half of football. That completion percentage, 94.4%. Only Warren Moon was better in franchise history over a half of football. He was 16 for 16 in a game in 1990. 98, John. And Geno Smith is like two of the top five on that yeah. list because he that Jacksonville game, he was red hot to start that game as well last year. Well, and I think the other thing, if I'm trying to be objective about why they won and where some of the success came from, this is a game plan that was tailored to Geno Smith, mm-hmm. right? And, and I've talked to people from around the country who've had me on to talk about the Seahawks, presumably to talk about the Seahawks woes and what Geno can't do and him trying to replace Russ. There, it, it's not a matter of replacing anybody. They know what Geno can do and they tailored to his strengths. And I thought that was pretty evident in that opening half. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're not going to try to make this offense look exactly the same. And if anything, we're probably seeing more of what, you know, the the McVeigh style Shane Waldron offense would look like when you have Geno Smith and just kind of, you know, he's not going to make some of the crazy spectacular plays Russell Wilson does. Although he made some pretty spectacular plays escaping pressure on Sunday or on Monday, excuse me. 
But, yeah, they built a great game plan around him, and he was very sharp in that first half. Now, what the first half looked like and what the second half looked like are two different things. You would have hoped that maybe you could have played add-on just a little bit, but then again, it was week one. Well, we hit everything in the first half, you know. Um, we had a few runs, and, and it worked together. We had a couple big plays, and, you know, to move the drives. Uh, Gino taking advantage of, uh, of the opportunities, running and throwing. And uh, in the first half, we, it just wasn't quite as sharp in the second half. We needed to step up a couple times when we didn't. Gino, really, Gino needed to step up in the pocket, and we got sacked a couple times um, when we got pushed on, on uh Charles' side over there, it, those, those were big plays in the drive because we were really good on third down early, and we, we lost a couple ops there, and that was really kind of the difference. Yeah, you know, it wasn't perfect for a whole game, obviously, as Pete Carroll alluded to, but I think what's good is there's some things that they can point to of, you know, like Pete Carroll said, that some of the young, the young guys, just a few little mistakes, which is going to happen when you start two rookie tackles, but it's, you know, easier to fix stuff than just some sort of like, oh, the offense just fell apart and we couldn't figure it out, and um, DK Metcalf alluded to that yesterday. Someone asked about third down, and it was, you know, the first half they were keeping them manageable. In the second half, you had a sack. I think there was a penalty on one of them, so you had those backed up. So, you know, I, I feel really good about what we saw in the first half, and I think it's repeatable within reason. Again, you're not going to necessarily go 17 for 18, but this offense has the, the pieces and the scheme, I think, to be pretty good. Well, and what we saw was tight end usage like we have not seen before. Seahawks tight ends, eight receptions, over 100 yards, both touchdowns. I guess that goes back to the conversation we have every year in training camp of, are we going to see the tight ends utilized? I think that's a big yes for the rest of the year. Yeah, it sure looks like it. I mean, both... Both those touchdowns were, you know, great throws, very different plays. One was off, you know, kind of a scramble drill, and Gino just made a great play. But the other one was just, you know, great play design, great throw, great route, great catch. Everything about that looked really good. And it's funny, you know, no offense, probably the guy people are expecting the most out of in the passing game, and he had the quietest game, which, you know, nothing against no fan, but I think, if anything, that's a positive. You've got so many weapons that, you know, it's going to be bad for fantasy football owners, but great for the Seahawks that, you don't even know of these tight ends who's going to have the big game. Well, and you wonder how they're going to factor into this week's game because we talk about the tackles and we mm-hmm. talk about those penalties and now the tight ends. You are facing a very tough defensive front on the 49ers. Yes. And I like the fact that Abe Lucas and Charles Cross, they got their feet wet with with a good matchup on Monday night. But you also had guys that, again, weren't playing in the preseason, took a little time to get worked in. That's going to be a handful on Sunday. Yeah, this is a real tough test. I mean, Nick Bosa leading the way, but it's not just him. They got a bunch of good dudes on that defensive line. And, I mean, they have for years, and that's been every time you play them, that's one of the big focuses is keeping their pass rush in check. And that'll be a great test for these young tackles. But to your point with the tight ends, probably some opportunities to help the tackles out. Well, and Nick Bosa, 25 and a half career sacks. It's Samson Abukum from Eastern Washington University with 19 and a half total sacks. Last week, four pressures, three quarterback hurries and a sack. Now, I'm not going to put a whole lot of, you know, emphasis or, or significance on any of the 49ers numbers in week one. Did you see the rain that was coming down in Chicago? Yeah, they were playing on a swamp, basically. Yeah, and it was just, yeah. The, those are the kind of games where it's kind of fun to watch on TV because it's an anomaly. But if you're trying to look at it in terms of predicting what will happen next or take get big takeaways out of the game about the specific teams involved, 
it's really tough because, yeah, it was just such a mess. Yeah, well, and I felt for anybody who had to stand on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, that's for be. you. You know that pain. I know. I thought, man, and then they have to get on a plane afterwards? Oh, that is a tough flight home. Uh, when it comes to the Seahawks offense, Rashad Penny picked up where he left off, but I thought the numbers were kind of interesting, passing versus running plays and what that scheme was. But but first, Rashad Penny, if we had any qualms over what he could do this year, Pete Carroll does not. Rashad looked just like he looked at the end of last year. He looked he looked explosive. Uh, he, he worked his way through the line of scrimmage, ran through some arm tackles and things like he had done to get himself in the secondary, and he looked like he was ready to go. Um, there wasn't enough carries. He got 12 carries in the game, I think, and we just needed to keep getting him some shots because you just feel like he's going to score. Um, he, I thought he looked great. The other guys really didn't get much of a chance. It was really mostly him. Yeah, I mean, five yards a carry, you'll take that every day, which, uh, you know, amazingly for Rashad Penny is below his career average, but still, that's really good for a running back. It's just, you know, they, they didn't have a lot of total plays in this game. Going back to what we talked about the second half, they weren't converting as well. They weren't staying on the field. So not as many opportunities, but you love the way he looks. He broke some runs off. He had another long one that was called back on a kind of iffy holding call on Abe Lucas. So could have been an even bigger game with, you know, a couple more first downs, give him some more carries. But yeah, as you know, as it, I think people might've been a little surprised by the run pass balance in that game that they, came out and threw it a little more than people expected. But ultimately, Pete Carroll's whole thing with balance is about, you know, being able to take what the defense gives you. It's not about we need to run the ball X number of times. And their defense was stopping the run pretty well at times, and the Seahawks did a pretty good job throwing it. I am very curious to see what that ratio is on Sunday, and I'm very curious as to where they run the ball on Sunday because of the 18 runs that Seattle had against Denver, 11 of them were right up the middle. If you do that, you are going to run into Kinlaw, who is a great run-stopping defensive tackle for the Niners. And so I wonder if this time you're going to look for more like a a fly sweep or if you're going to look to get to the outside more than some of those inside runs just by virtue of how that defense is stacked up. Yeah, and also who we're going to see run it because exactly. Kenneth Walker might be back this That's week. True. He returned to practice, was a full go on Wednesday. So maybe get him in the mix. Obviously, Penny is going to be the lead guy still, but as we saw before the injury with Walker, he is really explosive. So having him to mix in there would be a lot of fun. One of the coolest things I saw Monday night was actually not anything that happened during the game. It was Ken Walker sitting with Marshawn Lynch yeah. and Thomas Rawls before the game. And and it wasn't, I, I don't know that it was intentional. I'm sure that for Marshawn it was, but I went over and I was chatting with, with Marshawn. Pete comes over and then kind of out of nowhere, it seems, Marshawn just turned to Ken and started talking football. And not about the Monday night game plan, just in general, how mm-hmm. he handled different situations on the field so I'm just curious to see how that kind of rubs off because it was cool to see a number of those guys coming back and not just coming back to be part of the environment but to kind of share some tricks of the trade oh for sure I mean we, we saw that all last week with Richard Sherman here and spending a little time with uh, Tariq Woolen in particular but all the young defensive backs so it's it's fun having you know a lot of these guys have stuck around the area even if they weren't from here originally it's fun having them around uh, but yeah, the, Monday night was a lot of fun. The amount of guys that turned out with KJ raising the 12 flag, that was just really you know electric down on the field before the game. And to your point, you know, sharing some knowledge with a young running back. I mean, who who better to to get some tips from than Marshawn Lynch? 
You talk about those yards per carry, Rashad Penny at about five yards per carry, but the other side of that equation is the Broncos were also averaging five yards a carry, 103 rushing yards. If that happens this week, it is going to be a long day because that production is not just going to come from the running backs, it's going to come from the quarterback. We've seen him quite a bit now. You know, we played against him and all of that. He's a very versatile athlete. They they know what they got. He ran the ball 13 times in the game, so they're using him. That's um, that's a, a major concern. Um, so uh, he's really effective getting the ball down the field. He's had big plays all throughout his his time playing. Um, he had a couple of big ones in this last week. We we understand this guy and respect you know him at this point, and we know that he, he's very dangerous and, and makes a lot of guys effective in the game because he's such a, a threat. So we have to deal with that. It's too early to know exactly what kind of passer the Seahawks are facing in Trey Lance. I just don't think there's enough body work. But when you talk about the running game, that we know you know we'll tr- he's going to be dangerous there, and they are just such a good running team in terms of the way they block it, all the different run schemes. You know, Pete Carroll talked about this, how unique they are, how varied they are. It's not just, you know, a couple things. They will run it at just so many different ways. So, yeah, to your point, Denver averaged 5.2 a carry. That's not great. You don't want to, you know, this is a team that kept teams under four yards a carry each of the last two seasons. That's where you want to be if you're the Seahawks. So that's going to be big to clean up that run defense. Well, and I think that that will happen certainly by design. I also think it happens organically when you're not dealing with the 12s, right? Like you don't have that same noise that you're going to be dealing with on the road. I also think for as much as I love the aggression of that defense, the first half, and especially that first quarter, you could see where maybe they were a little bit too hyped. You could see they were flowing too fast. You could see guys maybe moving a little too quickly and leaving holes open in the middle of the field. I think by design, that gets cleaned up this week and then communication becomes a lot easier. Yeah, that's a great point because as much as, you know, teams love that crowd noise and it helps the pass rush, there are downsides. I mean, we've heard that over the years from defensive guys, like they can't hear each other and it makes it hard on them too. Still, you know, they would never trade that. It's great to have, but it can make things tricky. And there's, you know, just like we talked about some sloppiness on Denver's end with the starters not playing, a lot of Seattle's defensive starters either didn't play or barely played and a lot of the schemes new. So I think we'll just see things clean up a lot. And to your point, some of that just over eagerness, aggression, we saw, you know, some guys on the edge lose contain a few times, things like that. So I think they'll clean it up, but yeah, great test with this 49ers run game. Well, and you talk about young guys losing contain on the edge. How about just some young guys getting put in a position they have never been in before? I'm thinking of Tariq Woolen in particular. Shoot, he had a pretty good game. Yeah, he did really well. And uh, he got blocked one time, got run out of there a little bit. Um, and he came back with the next chance and you know, made a big hit. Kind of, <laughs> kind of a little stinger, but uh, made a big hit, you know, on the edge and did a nice job there. I mean, everything's new. You know, everything's a new experience and, and almost a, an accomplishment, you know, to get through the next one and the next one. And, uh, but we have not seen him not cover guys. I mean, that's all we've seen. He's been downfield on everybody. Anytime somebody goes deep on him, he's been right there. And uh, just got to Jocelyn a bit on the first one. And, you know, there was some contact there. Uh, the next one, he, was, he did a great job. And so I thought he did well first time out. First off, if you haven't seen the play Pete's referring to where he got a little bit of the stinger, go watch that because I missed it at, at full speed what he did there. I just saw the tackle where like, okay, that was a good physical tackle. But he took on a blocker first and just leveled that guy and then immediately made a hit. So the physicality is great, but coverage-wise, that's the most important thing at that job. And he, you know, it's easy to look at the penalties and go, oh, he struggled, but he made a lot of really good plays where he's just in a guy's pocket the whole way. And even that, 
the the first PI, half the officials in this league wouldn't have called that. It also could have gone the other way. Yeah, there on I mean, that one too. A lot of there was a lot of jostling yeah, on so that one. So that's I, arguably yeah. a good play, but they threw the flag. But yeah, there's other plays, and even go back to that deep ball that you know Quandre Diggs probably should have caught. Well, he'll say he definitely should have caught. The receiver was totally out of that play because he was just basically buried down the sideline with Woolen just all over him. And you know, that looked like a terrible throw in the moment. And it the only guy near it was Quandre Diggs. But I think maybe Russ thought the receiver was going to be able to get to that ball, but he was just wiped out by by Tariq Woolen. So yeah. Yeah, he, he did a lot of great things. Well, and I didn't think he got tested on an unequal level. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, he's the rookie out there. Yeah. I, I don't think that he was thrown at an inordinate number of times to try to test him. I, I think he had some good plays, but I, I think he had some lockdown coverage there that, that yeah. just made his guy, I, like you said, a non-factor. Yeah, I mean, they didn't test the, rec- the cornerbacks a ton in general. I mean, there's obviously yeah. the big touchdown, which came out of the slot where Kobe Bryant yep. you know, just lost leverage there, and they made a good play. But for the most part, a lot of their passing yards were either tight ends or screens. So the, the cornerbacks... You know, we talked about this before. There's a group that a lot of people were having questions about, but it's an exciting position group. Well, and now the question that people are asking is what happens at safety without Jamal Adams? We're still kind of waiting to see how that plays out, but he is not going to be available for quite a while after suffering that injury in week one. But again, the sky is not falling. When you think about the talent on the roster, I know he doesn't have the same name, but Pete Carroll feels pretty comfortable with his replacement really pleased with Josh Jones and Josh has done nothing but positive stuff since the day he got here and since then he's just kind of taken the next step and the next step coming to this camp he came back he had a great camp he had the most turnovers he had the most big plays and big hits uh, of all of the guys and so um, you saw him in the rotations already he's he, he was already part uh, part of the plan and now he just takes a you know bigger step forward um, he's strong he's fast he's 220 pounds you know he's a big kid that that plays the the position with with uh, with a really good motor, and he's a smart kid. Funny story: Josh Jones is like jokingly offended that Pete keeps calling him two twenty. He's like, "I'm two ten. He's like, "Actually, I'm two oh eight today." So he's not quite two twenty, <laughs> but he plays it. He plays two twenty in terms of physicality. He's he's not afraid to mix it up in there. But yeah, I mean, this is a guy that his career did not go the way he or anyone else is hoping for the first really five seasons. He was a pretty highly touted second round pick. Got bounced out of Green Bay in two years. You know, been on some practice squads. You know, had one year to start in Jacksonville, but pretty up and down career so far. Comes into Seattle late last year, starts that one game, comes back, and you know, starting camp, nobody would have. You, you would have said maybe he makes team, maybe he doesn't, but it could have gone either way. And instead, he just was one of the best players throughout training camp, as Pete Carroll said. All these big plays, turnovers, to the point that they, you know, they had that role for him in this defense, even with the two safeties healthy. They were doing a lot of this three safety stuff we saw. So they feel great. You know, he's not going to be Jamal Adams. It's not what they're asking to do, but he's a really good player, and they feel good about him. It, to me, if anything, the bigger question is, do you do less of the three safety stuff yeah. with, without him and Jamal? Do you just plug Ryan Neal into that role, who they also really like? So that, that to me is a bigger question is kind of does this change what they do schematically at all? Well, yeah, I was wondering what was going to happen with some of those packages. That'll become clear in the future. And you mentioned Ryan Neal. He was suited up, but yeah. also did not play in the preseason coming back from a high ankle sprain. We expect that to change. And Pete said this week, you could put him in there in that look. He he can really play just a number of positions back there. So versatility is nice. They, they've all had that experience. And I am curious to see, he's a physical guy too. Yeah. I mean, I, they really like both those guys. Yeah. They're both versatile. Like, I don't think they feel like they lose a lot other than just some of the really 
unique dynamic playmaking right. that Jamal brings and the pass rush and all that. So again, like you're going to miss Jamal. There's no way around that. He's, you know, an all pro for a reason, but they do really like the depth they have there. And you know what I really like about this week? I mean, I like a lot of things about this week. I also like that it is the shortest trip of the year. This is like the easiest one. <laughs> and before we get into what else you like about San Francisco and this matchup, let's get some words from our presenting sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. Getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. It is, in fact, like a 90-minute flight down and back. It feels so good. Like, it just, it's like, oh, man, you're barely gone. You're back. Now, there's less time to celebrate a win on the way back. I will say that. That's okay, though. There's also less time for me to eat way too much, which I do in every city that is a two-city trip. I eat too much on the plane. I eat too much when I get there. And I, I feel like it's funny. Most of these trips, it's like, I'll get some work done. I'll watch a movie. Then I'll be like, do I start another movie? Right. Whereas this trip, it's like, you, you don't even have time for a movie. No, I know. And this is like how the rest of the league lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we get on a plane and we're there in like an hour and a half. Cool. Perfect. And it is the perfect weather down there, which means uh, I'm... You might get a little... Ra- bring your rain gear, Jen. I, there's, John. Sorry. I'm just... There's, there's some potential rain in the forecast Sunday. I'm, we had almost made it through without John completely ruining my day. I, I know. I, I'm, I'm trying to I'm save your Sunday so you, don't, to save so you don't me. look like you were on the sideline in Chicago by what the end What I was going to say is I've got to get a run in when we get mm-hmm. down there because that, and I think you share this kind of feeling when we get to the cities on the road, that's mm-hmm. how I see the city, yeah. right? Like I, we, I go for a run. Yeah. Unless you're in Dallas in August, then I run on the treadmill. I ran outside, John. I don't you get know up earlier what than me. you're talking about. Um, okay, a couple of things here before we wrap up and before we get the two things that need to happen for a Seahawks win on Sunday, we need to say congratulations to Sean Alexander. There had been a lot of question as to who would be the next member of the Seahawks Ring of Honor. We now know that it is Mr. Alexander. It is well-deserved, and I can't wait to see him come back in October. Very well-deserved. I think you know it's easy to get so caught up, understandably, in the most recent era of success to forget some of what those teams did and what he did. I mean, you go look at the Seahawks record books and it is still, when it comes to scoring and rushing, it's all Sean Alexander. I mean, that run, he averaged 1500 yards a season for five straight years and almost 20 touchdowns. That's, that's some wild production. So only MVP in team history, very deserving. It'll be exciting to see him. Well, and it was around the team's first Super Bowl run, right? So there was a lot of success that came off that running game. Not unlike the way that the current teams have been built exactly to run be a lot of fun okay so we are to the point where i need your two things that need to happen for a seahawks win i think we accurately picked the right numbers last week i saw better time of possession we did not see as many sacks as both of us wanted. yeah i got greedy but we we did get a lot of pressure so Mm -hmm. that was good Eight quarterback hits so what does that mean for this week well we talked about the run defense already but that's where I'm gonna start you got to get that average down you can't if, if San Francisco is gonna attempt to run the ball more in Denver so if you let them average five a carry five plus a carry they're gonna have a big day so let's keep them down right about four yards a carry you know we'll give a little grace in there if it creeps up to like four two but that's about as high as I want to see that number 
Um, and then, you know, with these young rookie tackles, their first road game, that great defensive line, just, you know, again, it can't, you can't expect perfection, but keep Geno Smith somewhat clean. Let's say maybe under three sacks and under six quarterback hits. I'll be happy. I'm going to go with red zone defense because they picked up where they left off last last year, right? So last week, completely stymied Denver in the red zone. Last year, they were fourth in red zone defense. Opponents scored touchdowns just half of the attempts in the red zone. So that's what I would like to see again this week. Keep San Francisco from scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And if I had to pick another one, I want to see what the wide receivers can do downfield. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see DK and Tyler combine for over 100 yards receiving this week. Just test them a little bit. Don't yeah. try to run inside with those guys. Get the ball out quick and get the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. That's what I like I'm going to go with. Perfect. We've drawn up the perfect game plan. We are going to see how that plays out on Sunday, and then we will see you again next week for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.